On this very special episode of Punky Brewster, Punky's dream is to become an astronaut when she grows up. Uh, Greg, this is Latchkey Dads. Oh, sorry, Tim. On this very special episode of Boy Meets World, Tim joins a cult, and Greg must... Hey, Greg, uh, you need a drink? You okay? Uh, sorry. Oh, right. Uh, on this very special episode, we talk about the meaning behind our namesake, Latchkey Dads. Yeah, and I'm really excited to talk with the inventor of Nerf, Ren Geyer. Uh, no, sorry, Tim. No, we didn't get that. Hmm. But we will discuss one of our all-time favorite toys, Nerf. Hey, Tim. Hey, Greg. I thought it might be a good idea to give a little background into the name of our podcast. That's a great idea. So Latchkey Dads is a take on the term Latchkey Kids uh, that was popular in the late 70s and 80s. It references children that would come home after school to empty houses because either one or both parents were now working nine to five. Uh, The increase in divorce also left both parents uh, wanting careers. So it really became very commonplace. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was a latchkey kid uh, for parts of my childhood. How about you, Tim? Well, I'm going to have to own up to something right now, which is that I wasn't really a latchkey kid, (gasps) although our name is Latchkey Dads. So critical piece of information right there that I was I am a latchkey dad not a latchkey kid but I will say that as I got a bit older in my life I did sort of take on the same qualities of a latchkey kid but it was just in my early 20s so I'll get back to that in a bit interesting very very interesting um did you know that the uh the term latchkey kids actually dates all the way back into 1940s from Canada wow that's amazing yeah, it's an old term that was revitalized in the 70s, um, and if you think in the early 40s, what was happening then was World War II, yeah. and a lot of the dads were off to war or working uh, a lot of uh, hours, and so were the, the moms, and so the, t- the term actually dates back that far. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And here we are in the, uh, the 2020s, uh, resurfacing it again. Just, you know, adding dads to it as opposed to kids, right? Well, <laughs> and we'll, we'll uh, get to why that is apropos in a, in a little bit later. Yep. Teaser alert. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> so as I was doing some research, because I didn't know where the... I mean, you can kind of figure out what the, the term means. Sure. Um, but as I was doing some research into, you know, where it originated, I, I came across this great quote. And I'll make sure to put the link uh, into this article uh, in the bio of the uh, episode. But um, this is for all my fellow Gen Xers out there. Uh, quote, members of Generation X went through its all-important formative years as one of the least parented, least nurtured generations in U.S. history. Uh, we were left to our own devices, sure, but I-, I feel that's a little bit harsh. Yeah, that's that's pretty harsh, really. I mean, yeah, I just I don't I don't think that's fair. Honestly. <laughs> I think it, it actually led to us being, I mean, yes, maybe that's, you know, partially true and, and you know, uh, both parents working, but it also led to some self-reliant people. Yeah. And I, I think that's the key takeaway is that, you know, regardless of whether or not you were a latchkey kid, truly, you know, left to your own devices for hours at a time, or, um, you know, you did have a parent with you, you know, as a kid, we were just left to be out um, and just experience 
growing up, you know, and, and getting hurt or, you know, jumping off of something that was too high and realizing <laughs> that was a bad decision and maybe not do it again where, you know, I know even with, you know, you know, with our kids, I, you know, there's, there was just so much more of a level of like hyper awareness of what your kid was doing at all times and, you know, not letting them push the limits too far. Um, in spite of the fact that we tried to let them do that, there still was this like societal sort of feeling of like, oh, you're letting your kid do that. That's right. probably not a good idea, you know. And uh, so different, you know. Cue in the helicopter sound, yeah. Because the term <laughs> helicopter parent is definitely ten years old now, and you yeah. know, definitely the generation of our kids. And it's that those parents that just can't let their kids fall down and scrape their knee or you yeah. know, what have you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I can even see it now with, you know, some of the kids that are either our age or a little bit older where they're, they're just reticent to want to try things that, you know, at that age you would think, oh, they're going to jump at that opportunity to do it. But it just seems too scary, you know, because maybe they didn't have that opportunity to, you know, experience something that was scary at a younger age because it was, you know, almost... I would put it in the category of a bit of peer pressure where we were out with our friends and yep. someone would say, okay, you're going to do this or we're going to make fun of you. And, <laughs> you know, not being in those situations nearly as much, you know, it just, you, you don't build that sort of uh, callous, if you will, <laughs> on your ability to take chances where, you know, um, you know, today it's, it's, it's just so different, you know? Yeah. And I would add the word curiosity to that. Yeah. I think yeah. if you are in a bubble, you don't really like you know stretch your wings to really try something that you know you might fail at but yeah that's okay yeah yeah and, and you know for better or worse you know there's there's certainly there's good and bad in both sides of this <laughs> argument um you know and, and i i know I've, I've mentioned this to you before greg where you know being the youngest of the group that i hung out with mm-hmm. it was often me trying stuff that i probably shouldn't have or being <laughs> volunteered to do things where okay who's the lightest of the group who can <laughs> who can cross this you know small path without falling and um, but you know, it, it made me stronger and it didn't kill me. So I'm here to talk to y'all today, <laughs> you know, and you had mentioned, you know, the injuries, let's be honest. Like, you know, people are so worried, oh, my kid's going to get hurt. Like, what was the worst injury you had? Was there, was there anything that like deformed you? You don't look deformed. <laughs> <laughs> the, the photos you guys see of me uh, promoting the podcast, not real. They've all been Photoshopped. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I, for what it's worth, I never broke a bone. I mean, I, I dislocated a you know a few things, primarily mm-hmm. my 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 nose, which I, you know it's it's just some cartilage moving around, but still <laughs> hurts pretty good. But yeah, I you know never any really dangerous you know bad breaks or anything like yeah. that. You know? And for all the times that we you know we talk about, we didn't wear bike helmets. I and I'm sure you know there's been some injuries where a bike helmet would have helped, but I didn't know one kid that got hurt because. He didn't wear a bike helmet or... Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I think it's it's kind of funny and slightly ironic in that the few times we did get hurt playing a sport where we didn't have helmets, there were times where my parents would get us a helmet and then we stopped doing it. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, as an example, we had uh, street hockey set up in in our driveway and, you know taking monster slap shots and checking each other yeah and nothing nothing bad until one day of course i did take a slap shot to the eye uh, on a backswing from and uh and it did it swelled up i mean anytime you get hit near the eye it swells up and it did look bad but in all you know reality 
it just was a puffed up eye and I was fine, didn't lose my vision or anything yeah. <laughs> like that. But subsequently we were, you know, we got these like pro, pro style CCM hockey helmets with the cages, the, the whole cage. thing. Wow. Oh, it was, it was ridiculous. And you know, that was kind of the end of street hockey for us. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to wear these giant helmets, but they were, I mean, for what it's worth, I was a big hockey fan and it was cool to have like a legit hockey helmet that, you know, I think we would box with them. We'd put on the hockey gloves and the helmets and we'd beat each other up, but everything but hockey. Yeah. yeah it's like, you know, what can we hit each other with now that we have an over the top helmet? So. I used to be really big into rollerblading. Uh, you know, in the 90s, early mm -hmm. 90s, when it became a, a thing. And um, I was I got pretty good at it. Um, I had knee pads because you had to have knee pads and, and stuff. And then my parents bought me a helmet. And it's last time I saw it five, ten years ago in my parents' house, still in the box. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going out wearing this. And I never fell on my head. I, I, I you know, I'm fortunate maybe uh, that, yeah. you know, yeah. I didn't I didn't suffer any injuries, but not bad yeah yeah I, I, for some reason though I, I can't get this image out of my head of like um you being out in california on the boardwalk on your rollerblades just like <laughs> blading backwards waving at people maybe wearing something teal i don't know why that's A teal <laughs> and and the mean people suck t-shirt remember that yeah, yeah that was me that was nice. me nice. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, I do remember um, the freedom that came with being a latchkey kid. Mm -hmm. You know, you really got to um, walk home from school at your own pace. You know, I lived in a town where we didn't have buses. We walked or rode our bikes. And, and so you would take your time going home. You'd get in and, um, you know, get to the house, unlock the door. You would eat lots of sugary cereal, some Twinkies, some Jack's Cheese Puffs, watch the best afternoon cartoons that ever existed. Nice. And then mom and dad would come home around 5, 30, 6 o'clock and they'd be like, let's have dinner. And I mean, that that's just what it was. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, you know, we grew up that my mom was home. And so, you know, we'd have moments of that where we'd go to like a friend's house and we'd, you know, we'd bust open a, a box of Captain Crunch or something and just, you know, shovel it into our faces and, you know, watch cartoons and do, you know, a lot of those same things. But, you know, to your credit, I think having that full freedom of knowing mom and dad aren't home and I can just chill is yeah. probably pretty magical. Yeah. It, it was pretty, it was pretty sweet. I, I would say though that, you know, even though maybe you weren't a technical latchkey kid, you were definitely, you know, you had freedom, right? You would just go out. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we honestly, we, in the summer, especially we'd get, we'd get out early, we'd get on our bikes, we'd ride around, we'd go to everybody's, you know, house. We, we had one friend who, you know, they had the basement with the pool table and, you know, that was like a special outing. We'd go over to his house and we'd just be down in the basement, just chilling, you know, for hours, you know, and, and just, it was so fun. You know, yeah. the memories are so vivid of that time, you know, so. Why, why do you think uh, we're so, what, not necessarily us or whomever, but uh, this generation, why do you think we are such helicopter parents? I, you know, I, as you mentioned that, I, I think some of it just is the change in the information that, that we're given. You know, like back then it was, you had one more or less source of information and that was, you know, tune in for the news at this time or that time. Yeah. And outside of that, you just didn't, you didn't have this flood of information that, you know, would sort of guide what you were going to do in any situation. And I, I pre-kids, I was reading, you know, magazines <laughs> and you know, articles online about what you're supposed to do. And I just felt like I had too much information and, yeah. you know, always felt like I had to be, um, you know, really involved. But on the flip side of that, um, 
you know, uh, you know, for both of us, I mean, we we were very involved. You know, where I know from, you know, for me, my dad, he, I mean, he provided for us. He he did amazing, you know, things to to make sure we had everything we need. But, you know, he'd be at work from you know early in the morning, and sometimes he wouldn't be home until nine, ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. You know, he was putting yeah. in long, long hours. So. Yeah, I remember that with my dad too. Like, you know, the one income, my mom was a stay-at-home mom for the most part, and then when we got older, she did she got a job and yeah, my dad hours, hours and hours and yeah. working hard. Yeah. yeah. Which I think kind of brings us back around to, you know, us again that, you know, we are latchkey dads in the sense that we've been around uh, you know, in the house during those those uh child-rearing years and and uh and then being sort of left to our own devices when That's the kids right. are at school and <laughs> And all that, so we we are both stay-at-home uh, dads in the essence that we work from home. Yeah. So we uh, got to you know when you work from home, you get many more opportunities to see your kids. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Uh, and you know, eat a box of cereal, you know, when you want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I love it. You know, I have to say, being at home, I used to work. Uh, I used to drive an hour and a half to work. Uh, an hour and a half back so most of my day was like sitting in a car and I absolutely couldn't stand it and then um, you know having that ability to be home and just be like this is the best you know I can see my kids off to school I can stay in my pajamas all day and uh, come and go when as I need so. yeah yeah and in a similar way when I um, you know uh, let go of my last job, I'll, I'll say it that way, <laughs> and went out, you know, on my own and, and, and uh, started my business. It was, you know, super freeing, you know, to be able to just decide when and how, you know, work was going to be done. But, you know, at the same time, uh, my commute is, you know, from one floor to the <laughs> next and whatever I'm wearing is totally fine. And, um, you know, it's 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 also that feeling in the beginning was like, okay, when's this vacation going to end? And when am I have to go back to a nine to five? And, um, you know, it's been quite a number of years now and the business is still going strong and I'm quite <laughs> pleased with that. But yeah, I can still carry my latchkey dad card and, and proudly display that. So, <laughs> so if uh, any of our listeners have some fun stories of when you were a, a latchkey kid uh, and you'd like to share them with us, maybe you could uh, send us an email. Yeah, that'd be great. You, you can email us at dads at latchkeydads.com. Welcome to the 1985 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. First up is Dominique Wilkins of the Atlanta Hawks. Oh my, a hammer with the right hand. Boy, that's a 10 to me. I may be generous today, but that was a super move. Power soaring into the air, a one-handed windmill. And here's rookie phenom Greg of the Washington Generals. He's 5'6", an imposing frame. He stormed the NBA and put all other players on notice. He's got a wicked crossover and a fadeaway jump shot that just can't be defended. He dominated the three-point contest, easily defeating Larry Bird. Now he's looking to finish his day by dethroning Larry Nance. Here he goes. It's a 720 reverse slam. I've never seen anyone get that high above the rim. Boom, shakalaka. So, Tim, that was my 10-year-old inner monologue. 
as I played with one of my all-time favorite toys, the Nerf basketball set. Uh, As I'm sure it was for any basketball fan my age, I mean, I played with the thing for hours. You? Did you? Did you? Oh yeah. I mean, my brother and I, we had the uh, the hoop on the back of the, the the door. You know, just fadeaways, <laughs> falling on the bed, trying to ricochet off of every cool. single wall and just tearing that thing down left and right, slam dunk, every possible way you could imagine. And, you know, obviously we're, you know, five foot whatever, yeah. and thinking like we're, you know, <laughs> NBA talent. Yeah, we would. We had it in my, uh, we had a, a guest bedroom uh, downstairs and we would actually remove the furniture just to have more open space to play. And, I mean, it got physical, like body slams, checks, you know, doors were broken, uh, you know, holes put in walls from the, the, the violence that ensued. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Same with me and my brother and our friends. It was just an all-out war when it came to Nerf basketball. So it was were you, fantastic. Were you, were you a better three-point shooter or were you more of a slam dunk kind of guy? Mm. I did have a pretty good outside shot, you yeah. know, with a yeah. Nerf ball. It, it was a bit of a skill to be able to hit those outside shots because they didn't have a ton of weight to them in the early days. They were the foam yes. was not super dense, so you really had to just perfectly nail that shot. Yeah, they were very flight light, and they would like fly off pretty easy. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was reading about how that Nerf original Nerf ball came to be, um, and it was part of a, a volleyball set that was uh, proposed oh, yeah. uh, to Parker Brothers back in 1969, uh-huh. um, and that didn't make it. Uh, they they didn't decide to do the volleyball, the indoor volleyball set, but the ball itself was released uh, as an actual product. I think uh, I think you had mentioned the the inventor. Uh, do you recall? Yeah, the the inventor. Uh, interesting name. It's uh, Ran Geyer, um, and he's I think from Minnesota, and uh, he came up with the idea. Uh, and he pitched it to Parker Brothers uh, in the 60s, but I don't think it came out until 1970. I think, I think you're it, right, yeah. I think it was when it finally came out. He's also, though, pretty fun fact about Mr. Uh, Gaillere, but he also invented Twister. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> right? I hope he kept, uh, you know, a little bit of the royalties for that. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know, we'll have to look it up and see uh, in our report card if uh, <laughs> Mr. Gaillere has uh, received any royalties from Twister. <laughs> Um, do you know, do you know what uh, that NERF is an acronym? I didn't know that. No, yeah. what does it stand for? It stands for non-expanding recreational foam. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that may come up like at a at a um, trivia night at a local bar. Yeah, now you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure I won't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of funny acronyms, though, I had uh, my first car was a Subaru Brat. Again, a three-letter name, uh, four, three-letter, four-letter <laughs> name, um, and the brat stood for by drive, recreational all-terrain transporter. So no there, way. there's another little uh, you know uh, trivia tip if someone's ever playing uh, and, and they ask what the Subaru brat stood for. There you go. That's a little harder to remember than not expanding <laughs> recreational foam. <Yeah. laughs> you just said it, and I think I forgot it already. <laughs> anyway, back to Nerf. <laughs> Um, so, you know, nowadays kids mostly think of Nerf being Nerf guns, but back then it was simply a basketball net that you would hook over the door. Uh, you know, uh, you'd have to have a door without too much trim or it wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it came with this little ball and, and, uh, you basically slam dunked your heart out because being a, a short white guy, <laughs> uh, it was so cool to just recreate the dunks you just saw, like 
at the you know slam dunk uh, champion or whatever game you happen to be watching. You're like, I'm gonna go do the Michael Jordan leg out. You know, <laughs> like I look like I'm on the air Jordans. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, and just get up there and 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 slam it in the alley oops mm-hmm. with our friends. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. And, I mean, we would take it a step further even where we would take the hoop and we would just put it anywhere. So we <laughs> we had like our our laundry bin. So we'd yeah. you know we'd we'd be shooting our laundry you know through the hoop you know and uh, yeah it was all about basketball and and the nerf definitely. Uh, up that game for us it was and i think you know it didn't it didn't hurt certainly that i'm not a huge basketball fan but that was the golden age of basketball right Uh michael jordan scotty pippen uh you know the nasty boys in detroit (laughs) uh i mean it was just i loved it you know uh uh, the knicks were good yeah Uh, and you know even in our intro i mean dominique wilkins you know i've watched a few uh, sort of highlight reels recently and the power that Dominique would throw down dunks. It's unparalleled in today's game. I mean, there's just not that kind of force uh, going to the hoop as, you know, back in the, you know, that that magic era that we grew up in, with, you know, like you said, my, uh, Michael Jordan and Dominique and, you know, just so many Hewing greats. And, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. I, I think that was the last time the Knicks were good. <laughs> might, be, oh. might be accurate there. <laughs> um. So everybody knows the blasters and guns, right? But sure. they came much, much later. Yeah, they, they didn't come out until '89, and then, and even then, it was just the bow and arrow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even the early guns, it was like a single, uh, almost like had a pump on it. You know, mm-hmm. that would shoot a single. I think it was just a small ball at that point, as opposed to now, where it's you know actual like kind of darts and things with wings on them to really you know give, give you that extra distance. Um, you know, but those early ones were pretty simplistic in, in comparison. <laughs> Another one of my favorite Nerf toys was the um, the little footballs. Yes, yeah. my gosh, you could swing them so far as long as it wasn't too windy, and yeah. just you'd look like Montana back there. You know, <laughs> little firing BBs all over the yard to your friends, and it was just a. A great, great invention. Yeah, yeah, and I, I feel like at that point we were prone to leaving them out in the yard. Yes. So they'd get soaked because inevitably a dog would take a small bite out of them. So that whatever the outer coating was 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 sort of broken, and they would absorb more water. And then we'd whip them at each other with water <laughs> in them, and it hurt so much more when they were twenty pounds, you know, soaking wet. Um, and and I don't know. Do you remember the boomerang? By any chance? I actually now that I had totally forgotten about that until you just mentioned it. Was it the? Wasn't it, was, it though like try? Uh, yeah, like, it, was, it had three sides on it that were you could kind of bend them a little bit. And yes, I, yes. I, I, I kind of I was kidding a friend that it was kind of like playing fetch with yourself because you would throw it down the yard and it would make a half-hearted attempt to turn and never actually arc at all. So you'd run down, pick it up, throw it to the other end of the yard, run down, pick it up, throw it to the other, never succeeding and actually doing anything remotely close to a boomerang. Uh, yeah, because the commercials lied to us, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. They were throwing it 30 feet away and it would make a perfect yeah. spiral right back to where they were. Yeah, yeah. Love that boomerang. <laughs> Um, I, I have to admit, Nerf had some great slogans mm, over yeah. the years. I don't know if you, you saw any of these, but they're, they're pretty good. Um, the original one was uh, world's first official indoor ball. Oh. <laughs> so, that, you know. Is not, that a tagline or doesn't is that really, just like a mission statement? doesn't really. <laughs> mission statement. <laughs> um, yeah, not really rolling off the, off the, uh, off the tongue there. Yeah. Um, the the then it became throw it indoors 
You can't damage lamps or break windows. You can't hurt babies or old people. <laughs> and maybe some people took that as a challenge. <laughs> Again, way too long of a tagline. That's like, just a longer mission statement. <laughs> um, they got better at it, though. Okay. They, they got All better. Right. So these definitely um, probably you'll, you'll recognize some more of uh, these. It's, it's Nerf or Nothing. I do remember that one, yeah. Um, nice and simple, not, yeah. not eighty-four words. Yeah. You can't fit that on a on, on a package, yeah. right? What's that T-shirt say? I need a microscope. <laughs> uh, there's only one Nerf. I remember that one. Mm. Again, they're getting shorter and better. And as better. We go. Yep. Let's see, how about this? Uh, the wetter, the better. <laughs> that was from their, uh, I guess, uh, when they had the um, super soakers. Mm. Okay. Part of their yeah. lineup. Yeah, that doesn't seem to make much sense <laughs> now that I'm reading that. <laughs> I mean, maybe that goes back to the earlier thing I mentioned about where well, you'd leave them out in the rain, they'd get soaked, and then you could really hurt, you know, uh, was it don't hurt grandparents or babies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, really? Um, yeah, and uh, that's really, uh, those are all the best ones that they got. All right. Yeah. All right. It's pretty solid. Not too bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you remember back on the football, they had that screaming one with the yeah. little... Um, whistle like yeah. on the front of it so you could really make it hum yeah as, as yeah it, yeah i still occasionally at the at the shore i'll you'll hear one screeching <laughs> they're still out there i think i'm gonna have to go get one yeah 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 <laughs> um so I, I know that you know we we've we've touched on sort of the the evolution from you know balls and, and things like that mm -hmm. to you know the guns uh, I found some interesting sort of side products, one of which is a it was an iOS, you know, uh, phone driven launcher that really? you could put on your desk and you could fire four remote darts. So you could be like in another room while your coworker is you know, <laughs> at their desk and be firing uh, Nerf darts at them. It apparently has since been discontinued. I don't know if it <laughs> caused some problems in some offices, but it was a pretty cool looking <clears throat> little device. So. I know what I'm looking for on uh, eBay tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of eBay and, and the, the cost, I did see that one of the most expensive uh, Nerf guns will fetch in the range of $600 for a 2010 N-Strike Long Strike CS6, uh, which, you know, was a pretty powerful, you know, version okay. of a sort of a sniper rifle. <laughs> uh, it had a very brief window where it was produced. I guess it was prone to jamming that the darts would get stuck in it when you try okay. to fire. But in the, in the world of Nerf, you know, the, the elite Nerf collectors <laughs> really like that particular one. And, and, you know, $600 was the, the going price for one. So that's pretty, pretty wild. That's pretty expensive yeah. for a Nerf yeah. gun. Yeah. Um, the <laughs> amount of Nerf bullets made every year uh, was really amazing. <laughs> are, are you ready for this number? So every year... Nerf makes four hundred and forty-five million two hundred and seventy-seven thousand seven hundred and seventy-seven darts. Like, that is, like just to even conceptualize half a billion it's Nerf darts. It's unbelievable. Like, I, I, yeah, I mean, just the amount of physical space that that would take up, and you know, if you were to create them all in a factory and then you know and push them out <laughs> once you've made that many it just as a staggering staggering it, figure it, yeah yeah i'd like to go visit the uh where they're made just to kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of see this process or maybe they have like a scrooge mcduck diving board where you can jump off into a giant pit of uh nerf darts <laughs> that's awesome actually yeah. I, li I like that idea 
Nerf, if you're listening, uh, make that happen. Let's we'll be go. there to test Let's it go. out and do a podcast on it. <laughs> Uh, along the lines of the type of guns, this is, I guess, the most, the creme de, creme de la creme. Uh-huh. It's called the hail fire. Oh, okay. This sounds exciting. And the hail fire can fire 150 darts in 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kid in the neighborhood who has, like, the uh, the noisy cricket, cricket, you know, single shot, yeah. and then the neighbor shows up with the 150 <laughs> He's seconds. getting decimated. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, uh, one other fact is the Nerf brand, not anything else because it's owned by Hasbro, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Nerf brand alone in 2020 was valued at approximately $587 million. Incredible. Truly incredible. <laughs> when you think of what a, a single foam ball in 19, whatever, 69, 1970, and now has turned into that huge of a, a product. It's unbelievable. I hope Truly. Mr. Geyer really got a, <laughs> a percentage. Yeah. Even a half of a half of a half <laughs> of a percentage. Yeah. He's living large. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to that to that end, you know, that the branding that's gone along with it is, you know, they, they attach to so many different product lines. So... Uh, just out of curiosity, I was looking in like the Mandalorian, which is obviously pretty big right now. They've yeah. got Mandalorian branded Nerf guns. So you oh, can really? get, you know, I I just looked. You can get the the Phase Pulse Blaster for a hundred and ten dollars. <laughs> oh, oh just like, hundred and ten dollars. Yeah. So your basic Nerf gun now is a hundred plus. <laughs> okay. You know, unbelievable. That's crazy. But yeah. cool, but marketing genius, really. Yeah. 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 And the same with uh, Fortnite. You know, all the guns okay. that are in the Fortnite games, you can now get a Nerf version of that gun. And, you know, they're humongous. <laughs> I think, you know, my son has two or three of them, and they're these massive, you know, Nerf guns. And, and even the bullets, some of them are three times the size of your standard, you know, Nerf bullet. They're, are they red? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I know. It. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, beyond the Mandalorian, the Star Wars guns, there's all the different, you know, yeah. blasters and everything that you have from Star Wars. There's their versions of those with the clones yeah. and then the stormtroopers and then Ray's gun. And yeah. 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 Way to go, Nerf. Way, way to go. <laughs> way, to, way to kill it. Yeah. We got half a billion bullets. We got to sell them. <laughs> we don't want to hold on to these puppies. Yeah. Um, what, it was funny. I took my son to a college visit yesterday mm-hmm. and um, one of the clubs is a nerf gun club <laughs> and they will take over a building and have flat out massive nerf gun battles between nice. the students nice. and i'm like this is really transcended oh yeah a a toy now at yeah. this point yeah well and probably related to that i was on spotify and there are nerf battle playlists <laughs> that take basically all the most exciting you know battle songs from you know all of everybody's favorite movies and they put them together in a list that sort of it starts slow and ramps up and then there's this escalation of i guess when the battle is a you know full flight and then it sort of wanes as the the battle comes to an end and everyone's probably scooping up their bullets i don't know <laughs> but that even just that that exists is wild yeah that's crazy yeah yeah and I know when when our boys were a little bit younger, uh, the local YMCA had a, you know, an event to have the kids come out and you know run around the gym and, and have a Nerf battle with you know obviously the kids and the, the dads were a part of it as well. And I always think it's fun to see the kid and every every dad just <laughs> very quickly you know goes from oh we're just having fun to you know everyone's ten, <laughs> you know all the adults are running around <laughs> faster than the kids in some situations. And... To see Tim 
go a little Rambo. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, it, the headband. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I, I, you know, I was smearing, you know, a little bit of uh, whatever paint from the art room on my face, you know, to go full camo in a, in a YMCA gym. Um, but even, you know, uh, <laughs> I think we were joking about this, that a couple of the dads, we, we decided we were going to create like a, uh, a little team and we, we created the, the flying V from the movie, <laughs> the fighting, the mighty ducks, where we protected one of our, our, our dads in combat while <laughs> the four of us, you know, created this V and protected him so we could capture the flag. So yeah, we're children, just yeah. large children. <laughs> yes. so. And now they've given us these plastic guns to shoot people with <laughs> What's better? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, you know, even, you know, the guns, I still think it's kind of comical in, in that situation where some of them had these over the top, probably a couple hundred dollar guns that shortly into the, the fray, <laughs> they would jam and they couldn't fire because the, the bullet had gotten jammed. Meanwhile, we had the, the I, I called them the noisy, uh, noisy crickets from uh, Men in Black that it was a single shot. Yeah. But you always got a shot. You have to load a lot, but you could always get a shot with these, you know, single single fire uh teeny tiny uh pistols oh, the, the worst is when they jam and yeah. it gets like half the bullet is like in and out and it, it's yeah. it could take mi- minutes to, to take that thing out <laughs> you need a screwdriver to pull back the thing yeah. and then you gotta get your fingers in there and uh, before you know it you're dead yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know t- to that point about how the bullets will bend and, and get jammed um i think you had mentioned there's like a process that they can boil them and then they yeah. Sort of get reinvigorated to, to work again there is and we'll share this link in the in the bio um somebody says that you can boil them and they'll retain they'll you'll get a little more longevity out of them yeah but they'll quickly start uh to just get soft basically yeah. is what happens to them yeah. but it made me think you know when i saw that number half a billion and i realized you know when my kids play outside i yell at them to pick up the, the darts but what happens to the ones that they don't get or what happens to them when they go into um the landfills sure you know, what yeah. what kind of environmental impact is this is this having yeah because that's a lot of recreational foam yeah yeah that, and a, you know you think of styrofoam and you know you think that's generally not a recyclable product but yeah yeah it's F- Fortunately, it is. Yeah, <laughs> that's the great thing about it. Um, it's uh, made of. We get a little scientific here. <laughs> it's produced with polyurethane, okay. which is a type of elastomer, uh, and they will break down. Wow, the whole thing. Well, that's uh, yeah. awesome. I the, feel great now. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I just want to go take my, my my cruddy ones and just throw them out the window. But you shouldn't do that. Um, and 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 why is because animals might eat them. Sure. Yeah. And they could choke or might you know block them up or something <laughs> i don't know exactly what happens um don't feed them to flying animals or squirrels <laughs> <laughs> um so you should depose dispose of them in your garbage they will just break down in a normal landfill but if a couple are out there in the woods they will break down in a year or two just yeah. naturally which i thought was pretty cool yeah no it's i mean when you think of the the impact that is pretty awesome that they you know whoever was behind the the creation of it you know took the time to do something that would be you know 
obviously it's a kid's toy and to do something that's for the betterment of the future and do something that isn't going to just create <laughs> half a billion more every year that are going to pile up and you know yeah. this mound of uh, you can you know float them in the ocean and create an island nerf island i'm gonna go live on nerf island, island. that's where all the bullets <laughs> nerf <live>. island <laughs> <laughs> which I, I wonder if they did that by design i mean i would say i have to think so be yeah. awesome kudos to them if they did or if yeah. it was just like oh yeah and guess what yeah <laughs> whoops they, but yay <laughs> they break down yeah yeah well i didn't do the research again which i'm prone to not doing in these podcasts but i'm gonna say <laughs> it was definitely on purpose 100 percent. 100 percent. cool so uh go out and have a nerf dart nerf dart gun fight with your kids and uh oh to that end um you know is you know you said jack has a couple of uh, nerf guns is it a big toy for your kids it had its day in the sun you know mm-hmm. where he really uh, you know he wanted new guns all the time and we were buying bullets like it was you know a part-time job and <laughs> and they did get used a lot yeah. um i had a i don't remember exactly how old i was but i had gotten a it was a sort of like a target that you could um put batteries in and it would it would play sounds if you hit certain points on the board <laughs> and it was like different gameplay that you, you could set oh, it to cool. hit certain targets and and he really enjoyed that i, I don't even know if that was a an offering you know when he was a kid or if it was just something when we were younger but i had like many of the toys i had when i was a kid i still had it and it still worked um so yeah there'd be nights where everyone's trying to go to sleep and you'd hear this as he would turn it on and target hit that's awesome yeah so uh yeah i mean he's occasionally he'll get him out and still want to you know play here and there but And not nearly as much as it, you know, it had been when he was a little bit younger. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. with the boys, uh, you know, with three boys in the house, I don't know if that led to, we had just so many of these guns. <laughs> now they're all in a, in the basement in a Tupperware, just, yeah. you know, sitting there and, and they break them out every, you know, once in a great while. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. but good know, toy though. Yeah. Definitely a, a solid, they have great memories uh, of, of playing with it. I, I hear them talk about it. Yeah, from time to yeah, time. Yeah, and you know we're what fifty years into the into the the product line, and it's still kicking, and obviously yeah. it's still growing. You know, based on that, you know, five hundred plus million dollar year industry, it's pretty awesome. Should have got me a slicer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Greg. I think it's time for us to do our report card. Okay. At the start of the episode, we joke about our interview with Nerf inventor Ren Gaillere falling through. But that wasn't true. We did get the interview. Wait, what? We did get the interview, and we will be releasing a bonus episode next Friday. Nice. Ren takes us back to the late 60s and shares how Twister and the original Nerf ball came to be, as well as details on his current project, My Friend Ren. Earlier in the episode, we also talked about the term helicopter parent, which was first coined by Dr. Ham Gannat's 1969 book, Parents and Teenagers. It became popular enough to become a dictionary entry in 2011. Cool. We mentioned Larry Nance in the Nerf intro, and this may not be a household name, so just to clarify, Larry Nance won the first dunk contest in NBA history in 1984. Nice. Cool. Tim, 
Did you know that listeners should like, review, and subscribe to the Latchkey Dads podcast? No. <laughs> <laughs> but now I know. <laughs> no, he's, <laughs> no, he's out of battle.